0: Good morning. Would you stand? We're going to get right into the Word this morning. We're in Exodus 13. I'm going to read the first 16 verses. It has 22 total. We're going to look at this chapter as sort of a, a broader perspective in it. So I'm going to read it, and then we're going to do a, a uh, responsive reading in Psalm 81. God, our strength is the title for this, this uh, message. So Exodus 13. I hope you have your Bibles or you have something by which you can follow along with me. We want to get the, the Word of God into us and All of our senses. So here it is. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. And Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand, the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten on this day you are going out in the month of Abib. And it shall be, verse 5, when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, rich, that you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and no leavened bread shall be seen among you, nor shall leaven be seen among you in all your quarters." And you shall tell your son in that day saying, this is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up from Egypt. It shall be a sign to you on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the the Lord's law may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this ordinance in its season from year to year. And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and gives it to you, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that is, every firstborn that comes from an animal, which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, and if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And all the firstborn of of man among your sons you shall redeem." So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this that you shall say to him? By strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it shall come to pass when Pharaoh was, and it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a sign on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes. For by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. And so in Psalm 81 begins, sing aloud to God our strength. So I'm going to ask you to read, I'll read the first and odd verses. If you'll follow together in the second even verses and we'll read this together. So sing aloud to God our strength. Make a joyful shout to the God of Jacob. Blow the trumpet at the time of the new moon, at the full moon, on our solemn feast day. This he established in Joseph as a testimony, when he went throughout the land of Egypt, where I heard a language I did not understand. You called in trouble, and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Selah. There shall be no foreign God among you, nor shall you worship any foreign God. But my people would not heed my voice. Israel would have none of me. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. The haters of the Lord would pretend submission to him, but their fate would endure forever. Before I pray, just note verse 16. He would have fed them also. His enemies, his haters, with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock, I would have satisfied you. So, Lord, we thank you so much that we have your word in abundance. And we know every time that we read, hear, study, you are speaking to us. And you want to speak into our hearts truth. You want to establish our lives in not only hearing, but doing the word and thus that, that solid rock That though everything may be shaking, you don't shake. And we thank you for that. I pray your blessing over the things i prepared. Break them fresh. We're hungry, Lord, to hear from you, to receive from you, to grow in your word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Lord, we also would pray, bow our hearts before you, the one who draws to himself. That anyone that's listening that doesn't know you this morning, you draw them to yourself through Jesus Christ that they may be saved. They may be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb in in applying it to their hearts and their lives. Please, in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. You can be seated. So as we come to this new section in Exodus, which I'll talk about in a moment, I want to begin with a brief overview, a brief review of this. In the first study, this quote, The book of Exodus is the story of God rescuing the children of Israel from Egypt and forging a special relationship with them. The book gets its name from the nation of Israel's mass emigration from Egypt, but that's only the first part of the story. This book follows Israel out of Egypt and into the desert where the nation is specifically aligned with God, unquote. So the author of of Exodus as the the Pentateuch, Genesis through Deuteronomy, is Moses. Exodus is a continuation of Genesis, and then the the continuation continues throughout the whole Bible. None of them stand alone. So the theme of Exodus is redemption. As I've shared before, these are pictures. In fact, we're going to get into a section now. Lessons in the wilderness. The the wilderness journey was legitimate for the children of Israel. It just lasted a lot longer than God intended. And so we'll look at that. Types and symbols in Exodus illustrate our redemption by God through Jesus. So two key sections, verses that give us the outline of the book. Exodus 6, 6 through 7. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, I will be your God, then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. And then in chapter 19. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, note that, notice they've been delivered, now God's dealing with them in very difficult ways. So, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So the book outlines from these key verses: Exodus one through twelve. We just are just coming out of them. I will take you as my people. Exodus thirteen through eighteen. We're beginning this morning. I will be your God. So this morning, God our strength. Exodus nineteen through twenty-four. If you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, you'll be a special people, and so forth. Verse twenty, uh, chapter twenty-five through forty. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So chapter thirteen is sort of setting the stage. Launching us into this wilderness journey. So three things with God are strength that I want to look at this morning. Number one, do everything God commands you. You want to know the strength of God? Obey God. Secondly, remember what God did for you. In fact, uh, as the prayer was going this morning with with Sophia, I'm going, wow, she's praying the study. Remember what God did for you. In other words, remember God. You think, well, I never forget God. Oh, we forget God all the time. That's why we do what we do. That's how come we get all anxious and fearful or we go about our own way because we really, forget. hold on a second, bring God back into the picture here. And then third, trust God to lead you. Trust God to lead you. Those are the strength of the Lord. He will do these things for us. So we begin in the chapter, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, and then Moses said to the people, this was happening all the time. God was speaking And so we must do everything that God commands us. We must understand that God's not just talking. He's speaking to us that he might bless our lives, bring the freedom that we desire. So God also, through Moses, spoke to Pharaoh all the time. Not complicated, let my people go. But Pharaoh withstood him to the bitter end. Pharaoh would have nothing to do with that. And we looked at the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. And our hearts, we must be careful we don't harden our hearts to the commands of God. To the word of God. So God gave Pharaoh every opportunity to repent and obey him. He would have none of it. So in this chapter, interesting. The emphasis, this repeating emphasis, I'd like to look at, if you'd look with me. Four times in the first 16 verses that we just read. It says this, remember this day in which you were, went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by the strength of the hand of the Lord brought you out of this place. The, God did this for them. It was his strength. They were powerless. Verse 9, for with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. Verse 14, by strength of hand, the Lord brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Tremendous picture of what's happened through Jesus Christ for us. And then verse 16, for by strength of hand, the Lord brought you out of Egypt. In other words, had Moses and or the children of Israel not obeyed God, story over. But they believed God, sacrificed the lamb, applied the blood, and stayed in their houses until morning. And God Redeem them. Purchase them through that lamb. Hebrews 11 says this By faith, Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. That's faith. Verse 28 By faith, Moses kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. This is the faith of Moses. This is what was going on for him. So in his commentary on Exodus, Warren Wearsby, commentary's name Be Delivered, writes this quote, We must never forget that it was the once timid and excuse-making Moses who, with his brother Aaron, confronted Pharaoh time after time and finally conquered Pharaoh and all the power of Egypt. Hebrews eleven reminds us that Moses accomplished all of this by faith in the living God. Passover and the Exodus are memorials to the power of faith. He continues, Hebrew eleven twenty-seven refers to Exodus ten twenty-eight through twenty-nine, when Pharaoh threatened to kill Moses, if he came to see him one more, if he came to see him one more time, I'll see your face no more. Moses believed God's promises and had no fear of what the king might do, not fearing the wrath of the king. Hebrews eleven. Faith simply means. Note this sentence. Faith simply means that we rely on God and obey his word. Regardless of feelings, circumstances, consequences, by faith Moses kept the Passover. That's faith. It's obedience no matter how I'm feeling. He continues, quote, History does not long entrust the care of freedom to the weak or the timid, unquote. President Dwight Eisenhower spoke these words in his first inaugural address, January 20th, 1953. As the man who had helped lead the Allies to victory in World War II, General Eisenhower knew a great deal about the high cost of victory as well as the heavy burden of freedom that always follows. British novelist Charles Kingsley rightly said, there are two freedoms, the false where, is a, man, where a man is free to do what he likes and the true where a man is free to do what he ought." Unquote. Throughout their history, the nation of Israel struggled with both of these freedoms, just as God's people struggle with them today. He ends it by saying, it's a mark of maturity when we learn that freedom is a tool to build with, not a toy to play with, and that freedom involves accepting responsibility, unquote. Freedom is an accepting responsibility, lest we lose it. So Exodus 20, this this responsibility stated time and time and time again throughout Moses' writings is to keep God's commandments. Not legalism, the love of God in freedom. To obey God, the reason given, note this, the reason given time and time again is most pointedly When God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And you get to Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bond. He says, this is what I did. Now hear the commandments. He sets the whole thing on what he had already accomplished for them. And now he's given the law by which they can lead lives of freedom and love. Powerful. Freedom from the bondage of sin and self is only found in obeying the gospel. Obedience to God is freedom from the bondage of sin and self. It is freedom from, the de- from deception and death. It is freedom from idolatry and its inevitable emptiness. Obey God. He's the one true God. So believe God, apply the blood and Jesus, of Jesus and be saved. Now, second service. This baptism is up here because uh, Living Hope, who rents the church, from, leases the church from us, is having a baptism today. And so, I just found out about it on Thursday. I said, well, we've got to have, if, if there's anybody that wants to be baptized and obey the gospel, I'm saying, we're going to do it. So, if you're not, maybe you've received Christ already, never been baptized. Listen, that's one of God's commandments. Be baptized. Jesus said it. Spoke, it's taught in the epistles. Practice there. So, therefore, baptism is really important as a testimony to your salvation. Have you been baptized? If not, we're going to have our baptism second service, after second service. I hope that if you're here, you'll come back. If you're watching, you'll come, and we'll baptize you. So, believe God, apply the blood, and be saved. In Romans chapter 10, here's the gospel. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with ma- the heart one believes unto righteousness. Now, what does that mean? It means that in your heart, in my heart, I knew there was something wrong. There was sin there. There was unrighteousness. There was something that required judgment. That's just there. It's our conscience. So, with the heart one believes unto righteousness. That's got to be taken care of. And with the mouth is made unto salvation. So, therefore, it's important to confess Christ as your Savior. That's the gospel. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. How many of you are thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ? The simplicity of it. That you were saved because you knew in your heart you were unrighteous. You knew in your heart there was something wrong. It's innate there by God drawing you. And in the law written on our conscience, creation shouts God. And then Christ came and says, I am the savior of the world. And we believe that message. I did it when I was ten years old. I heard about, it, heard about it when I was ten years old. When was it for you? Are you not thankful for the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ unto salvation, which is the power of God to freedom from sin and self, and to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit? Whoever believes it will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction. In Jew and Greek, the same Lord over all is rich to all who, what? Call upon him for whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. It does not say whoever calls in the name of the Lord might be saved. Shall be. And That's in obedience to God's commands. He comes in and you know that. How shall they call him whom they have not heard? How shall they call him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Brothers and sisters Lord, we have an incredible message. It's the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ who's came into the world to set us free from sin. So Jesus said this. He's the only one. He said in Luke chapter four, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's in his hometown. Give him the scroll. He opens it up to Isaiah 61, what we would call that. No chapters, no verses. He opens it up, roll. The spirit is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in that synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I am here, the one who can give you freedom. In John chapter 8, Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, And you are my disciple indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants that have never been in bondage to anyone. How can they say you'll be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And they were living in sin and weren't even, were blind to it. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus is the only one who can set you free from sin through the cross. So this freedom from the power of sin presently, we've been freed from the power of sin in the past. We're being freed from the power of sin presently, and we will be freed from the very presence of sin for all eternity. But presently, this freedom from the power of sin is a tool to build with. Not a toy to play with. It involves accepting responsibility. And there's always the difficulty that our flesh wants to get in the way of obedience to God in such a form, well, God loves me and if he loves me, he forgives me. But shall we sin that grace may abound? Sin is Always undermines freedom. Always. There's no exception. It brings us back into bondage to some degree. The gospel of Jesus Christ sets us free from sin presently through the power of the Holy Spirit. This freedom involves accepting responsibility. What is that responsibility? Obey God. Obey God. Take his word in and then seek by the power of the Holy Spirit to apply it to your life. Therefore, my beloved Philippians, as you will always obeyed, not in my presence only, but also in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both the will and the will of what pleases. In other words, it's a partnership, if you will, with us responding in obedience to God's word. And every time we do, listen, every time we obey God, he backs us up. Unlike the Old Testament, he backs up because the Holy Spirit indwelling our lives is the power of God over sin and self and death. So relying on the Holy Spirit, Pastor Paul did a message three or four weeks ago on the power of the Holy Spirit, the need we have for the Holy Spirit. Don't ever forget that. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, and God knows that. In fact, Jesus said, if you being evil on how to give good gifts to your children, how much will your Heavenly Father give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. He didn't say, how much will your Heavenly Father give the money you need No, he said the Holy Spirit, because that is our, he is our greatest need. It's a gift from God to us in order that we might live in freedom from sin, self, and the world. And we can overcome through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Romans, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. We must obey from the heart. That's the responsibility. It's a heart obedience. And Jesus pointed this out. You can look really good outside. You can say, well, I never did that, never did that, never did that. Jesus said, but hold on. The law, the Holy Spirit is dealing with the heart. That's why I love that passage. The word of God is live and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. dividing between the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is that light. That lamp. It shows me where I am. It directs me to where I need to be going. The word of God in my life. Is God saying to me. Here's what you need to be doing. Here's what will continue your growth. And be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does that mean? It means the word of God is saturating my thoughts my thinking, how I look at things, what I'm seeing, and I'm filtering all through what God said, not what I think. What God said, not what I feel, but what God has spoken to us in abundance to keep his commandments. And so Romans says, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in those things of which you are now ashamed? And how many would say amen? (laughs) For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin. Having become slaves of God. You have, had, you have your fruit to holiness. And the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. What an exchange. Would you make that exchange? I'd make it every day and every minute. Here's what God offers to me. God's commandments are not burdensome. They are freedom. Found in the overcoming love of God. In our lives. Isn't that fantastic? Paul, First John was studying this on Wednesday nights. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world: our faith. We believe that God knows what He's talking about. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that to not obey God is bondage. Who is He who overcomes the world? It's very simple. He who believes that Jesus is the son of God. And the first John, the epistle, as we were talking about this past Wednesday, a little bit, last Sunday, I think even so. The center thought of not only John's writings, but his gospel also, and then is that Jesus is God come in the flesh. They they walked with him, they handled him. All those truths are ours. You see, love is the fulfilling of the law. In Romans chapter 13, owe no one anything except to Oh, oh! no one except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. It's love. That's the responsibility. And we know these things. These are not new to mo- most of us as believers. We understand these things. For the commandment, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And as any other commandment are all summed up by this. Say, name, you shall love. Your... In other words, when we are loving, all these things will never happen. That's Freedom. Sin is bondage. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, but therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. The strength of God is in doing everything he commands me. Taking to heart his word. Love is perfect liberty. Galatians chapter five, you've been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Serve one another. And I think a tremendous, many times missed um, prescription for some of the darknesses in our lives. Just get serving someone. Get giving, not trying to take. Just serve. That's love. It's amazing how healing that can be in a person's life. Just get involved in the church. Get involved. Do it. Give. Give. It's more blessed to give than to receive, we are told. So, mark of maturity when we learn that freedom is a tool to be built with. Not a toy to play around with. And our freedom is so precious as we believe in Christ and keep our eyes on Him and keep His Word saturated in life and trust in the Holy Spirit. So the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate to me. In other words, it's consecration. My life consecrated to God. In the conference that we just went to, one of the pastors, and I don't write down a lot of conferences. I just like to sit there, (laughs) just take it in. But Bill Goodrich said this, the root of all steadfastness is consecration to God. The root of all steadfastness is consecration to God. I would say the root of all freedom is consecration to God. All liberty, consecration to God. All joy, consecration to God. So consecrate yourselves, Leviticus tells us. Consecrate means declare sacred and dedicated to God for his purposes. So the second thing I'm talking about is remember what God did for you. He's saying consecrate these things. His purpose. Why why would God want that happening? The firstborn of of males. The firstborn of Why would God want that? It's amazing. But he's saying that for us. God is saying if you read my word, that's not for my sake, God's sake. But for yours. God has given to us. And so he says, take these, do these things to remember what I did for you. You shall tell your son that day, saying, verse eight, this is, done of, this is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. I can hardly sing that without crying. Just tell him Wednesday night. You know, the beauty of that song is, it's not going to change. All my life, he will continue to be faithful. All my life, he will continue to be good. He's a good, faithful God who loves me and what he's done for me. The response back to God is worship and consecration and doing what he, his commandments and then remembering over and over again, come back, what he did for you, what he did for me. The testimony, in fact, Revelation says they overcame the devil by the of the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. This is what God did for me. Remember what God did for you. Remember God. You want to have strength renewed? Remember God. Remember what he did for you and tell it to your children. Tell it to your, your project. Tell it. Tell them this is what God did. This is what God did. And I think my children used to hear a lot less than that. <laughs> But man, they need to hear what God did for you. Your testimony. But let it not stop there. What is he doing for you? How is he actively right now bringing more memories to put in a book? In fact, someone came up Wednesday night and showed me that scripture. They talk one to another. It's in Malachi, I believe. One to another. And the Lord was making a book. As they talked about him. With each other. Remember what God did for you. It's a memorial before your eyes, Continue a reminder of God's deliverance from Egypt. The reminder of the redemption. Which God accomplished. And we obviously point back to the cross. And what God did there for us. And how we received his, that, that work in our lives. Through faith. Once a year. A reminder. Seven day celebration. Because this is what God did. But not only once a year. Every time a firstborn male was birthed, every time a firstborn animal was birthed, you tell them why this is consecrated to God, this is sacrifice to God, because of what he did in our lives. It just tells me there are so many opportunities for us to bring in to our conversations what God did, back to the cross, Back to his work in our lives. Back to how he delivered us. Back to the things that he accomplished in our lives. And then moving forward, we're back again to that foundational work of God at the cross. that was complete and finished. And Jesus said, it's finished. And we entered into that joy of the Lord in our own relationship. So here's the final thought. Trust God to lead you. Trust God to lead you. This is amazing. It came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although they were, that was near. It was a short route. wouldn't have been a good one. God knew that. And God knows where you're going. God knows where you're headed. And I'll tell you what. I don't apply this to driving my car in the traffic. Okay? God knows what he is doing. And sometimes what seems like the long way around is for your protection and your safety because he loves you. We are, we are crippled many times by the instant gratification that our flesh longs for. In fact, God said, I'm going to take away the people little by little. Paul said, listen, as Paul the Apostle said, God gave him a messenger of Satan, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger to buff, unless. Being exalted, he should be exalted above measure. Paul knew his heart, and we, God knows our hearts, and we're learning about our hearts. The heart is deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But I, the Lord, search the heart. So God's taking you on a journey. He's promised his presence through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that. He'll lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He will never leave us or forsake us. And on and on goes the scriptures. God can be trusted, no matter what it looks like, in the present moment. He is faithful to lead us and guide us. The problem is, we get in the way. It's always the problem. God's never the problem. So it says there, So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. Now, this is kind of crazy. Joseph's been dead for 200 years. I mean, we're talking about bones. 200 years later, but when he was alive, he said, hey, God is going to deliver you. And when he does, you take my bones. You take my bones. Why? Because he knew that God was going to be giving to them this land. He knew the promise of God. He believed them. And he said, whenever that happens, I'm going to be resurrected. And I want to be in the land where God's promised land when I am." Something like that. I don't know exactly what was going on in his mind. But it's been 200 years. And now it happened. Just like God said. So I not only think of God's leading seeming like the long way. But then God's timing. Sometimes it seemed like forever. But is always perfect in his time on that specific day the exact day 430 years later so they took their route from Succoth camp to Etham at the edge of the wilderness and the Lord went before them now this is another fantastic miraculous supernatural thing that God gave to the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt to lead the way one pillar cloud by day pillar of fire by night to give them light so as to go by day and night he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people listen they had this supernatural visible manifestation of the Lord called the angel of the Lord God leading them we have now we might say I wish I had the cloud and the fire but you know in the Old Testament Very few people ever had the Holy Spirit upon them, dwelling in them. Very few. The promise in the new covenant, the promise through the cross of Jesus Christ, is that when we believe we are born again by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God dwells in us. Our our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We've been given the fullness of the Spirit by just asking, how much will your Heavenly Father give the Spirit? And as we ask for God by the Holy Spirit, Paul mentioned this, I'll say it again. I love it. A, B, C. Number one. Ask up in prayer. Ask. That's all we do. B, believe in God's promise. So when I ask God for the Holy, full, like Ephesians says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. When I ask God to fill me with the Holy Spirit and I ask him, I believe that he's doing it. He promised he would. God can't lie. He does it. Now, it might not be all the tinglys. We like the tinglies. Are we going to believe what God said in his word? And then carry on in the promise, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul said to Ephesians, don't be drunk with wine in which is excess, but be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit. Continual present tense. So my brothers and sisters who know the Lord today, who have been born again by the Spirit of God, as we we close this message, What we need is to trust God to lead us. What we need is to believe God the Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts and minds. I think one of the problems we deal with all the time is the chatter, the confusion, all the noise, rather than just getting with the Lord and hearing the still, small voice of the Lord through the word of God, through fellowship with one another, through prayer and all these things that God's given us for our sake, not his. So as we're closing, God himself was going before them. God himself lives in us by the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can begin to experience the power, the strength of God in keeping his commandments. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can begin to the Holy Spirit is going to bring back, Jesus even said that. He's going to testify of me. The Holy Spirit is going to keep bringing us back to Jesus, to Jesus, to Jesus. in our relationship with Jesus. And as we begin to enter into a deeper walk with the Lord, we begin to experience this thing called the leading of the Holy Spirit. We begin to discern things. and We could go into many studies about how does that work. But let me just say to you this morning, God said it works. God said he's at work. And God said he's at work in us. To will and do of what pleases him. So there's an old hymn that I asked Sophia. How many of you know he leadeth me? We're going to sing that. I was looking over the verses. It came to mind when I was studying. So I said, Sophia, can you learn that? And she is... Fantastic. Yeah. So would you just stand with me before the Lord to worship Him according to the things we've heard this morning, to allow the Holy Spirit just to minister afresh